WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. It is Sunday, March 3rd, 2024, and what a bizarre day it was, huh? I guess bizarre in a good way. I don't think anybody will argue with a gorgeous 60, 70-degree day like this. Uh, get out and, uh, man, a lot of people out running around enjoying the trails. Uh, drove by a couple lakes where the ice was completely out. Um, I, I got to think we're just setting all kinds of records for ice out this year. Uh, we've we've talked about that. Uh, truly an amazing year. It, it felt a little weird out there, even though I, I admit I, I definitely enjoyed the day. Minnesota DNR issuing a press release today that uh, like red flag warning issued for extreme fire risk in uh, southeast Minnesota, a bunch of uh, counties down there, Winona, Houston County. That's actually where my parents live. Uh, but but all of that area, uh, you know, discouraging any sort of wildfire, any sort of burning. Obviously, we, you know, I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize you got dry conditions with wind like we had today. Very dangerous. I don't ever recall seeing red flag warnings quite this early in the year. So I would urge everyone to please uh, be ultra careful about that. Spent a little time, you know, I, I'm, I'm the managing, my name is Rob Drews, I'm a managing editor and publisher of Outdoor News Weekly Newspaper. Check us out at OutdoorNews.com. I do occasionally write a freelance story here and there. I was working on one this weekend for an old friend of mine down in Winona, Minnesota. Reggie McLeod operates a magazine, comes out six times a year, called Big River Magazine. It's devoted to the upper Mississippi River. I believe his website is just BigRiverMagazine.com. But he asked me if I would write part of a story He's dividing it into like four parts, 25 years each. It's the 100th year anniversary of the Upper Mississippi River National Wildlife and Fish Refuge, which runs from Wabasha down to, I believe, Rock Island, Illinois. Maybe not quite that far south, but in northern Iowa um, uh, and, and northeast, uh, northwest Illinois, down, down that region. It's I forget how long the river refuge is, 75, 80 miles. Incredible asset to this part of the country. And uh, uh, Reggie is devoting, I think it's his May-June issue, to the ref to the refuge and to its 100th anniversary. And he asked if I would uh, write about it. Uh, the uh, the period from, what, 1974 to 1999, which is when I spent a good chunk of my life living down uh, in that river country. Uh, it's going to school uh, as a high school student as well as then I, I worked at the Winona Daily News as a reporter. So that area is near and dear to me in that era. Of, uh, of river history is near and dear to me. So it was kind of fun writing that. And uh, that's something we'll probably talk about here on, on outdoor on <clears throat> WCCO Outdoors a little bit more, as well as in outdoor news in, in our newspaper uh, about the 100th anniversary of Upper Miss Refuge. Uh, pretty remarkable asset we've got down there. Hey, normally I don't have a guest during this segment, but uh, I, I thought there's something pretty important going on. And uh, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources asked if they could jump in uh, and talk about something they've got cooking. I think it's it's really important to give this a little bit of publicity. And here to talk to me right now is Captain Jeff Johansson from, again, Minnesota Department of Natural Resources Enforcement. Jeff, are you with me? And uh, you got something pretty cool cooking this week. Uh, if there's some young people out there looking to uh, tackle a career in, in law enforcement, specifically conservation officer law enforcement, this is a big week for you folks. Yeah, I'm with you, Rob. Thanks for uh, giving giving us some time to jump on here real quick on your show. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we uh, we just opened up our seal prep conservation officer posting uh, here just on the first of March, and that runs throughout uh, the majority of the month here. And yeah, specifically, we're looking for uh, 
applicants that, you know, may have not thought about a career in law enforcement or the natural resources. Uh, so a little bit different uh, hiring path than our traditional uh, process, which opens up later this summer. But uh, with the CO prep process, uh, we're just looking for folks that have a two-year degree, uh, at least a two-year degree in any discipline. And then we actually will pay them a portion of their wage and uh, send them to uh, get their law enforcement training and ultimately uh, get hired with us as a conservation officer and start in our academy. So it's a pretty cool program. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the recruiting period kicked off here this past Friday. Uh, you've got a couple, what, uh, like, open house style career fairs going on this week, right? Wednesday, March 6th uh, from 5 to 7 p.m. at DNR Central Office in St. Paul. And then another one this Friday, March 8th, March 8th up at the uh, Fond du Lac Bands uh, Tribal and Community College in Cloquet. That also runs 5 to 7 p.m. What, uh, you know, I, I guess most people understand what a career fair is all about, but I presume at this one you can, folks can meet uh, conservation officers and, and, uh, and, pick their brains a little bit about uh, what it's like to be a, a, a law enforcement officer afield. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've done these career fairs or open houses, we, we call them. We do, we do many career fairs or, you know, events throughout the year, but these open house events specifically on um, the last couple of years and have had uh, really good attendance at them, a lot, of, a lot of really positive feedback. So that's exactly right. It's, it's an open house style event where uh, we'll give a short uh, presentation kind of, you know, on the job and uh, the training process and the, the different uh, parts of the hiring process. And then absolutely, there'll be several officers there um, to, to mingle with and, uh, you know, develop a connection with and ask some questions. So uh, we've had pretty positive uh, feedback from it. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we've certainly seen a, a lot of interest in it in the last couple of years. And as you mentioned, we've got one at our our, our St. Paul Central Office location this coming Wednesday from 5 to 7, and then another one uh, this coming Friday up in uh, Cloquet at uh, the Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College up there. So really looking forward to those events and, and uh, anticipating a pretty pretty good turnout for them both. And again, you're looking for two-year degrees. Now, you'll take someone with a 40-year degree, I presume, in, in just about any field. They just have to have an interest in, in, in entering law enforcement. Uh, if accepted into the program, they've got 22 weeks of training in Hennepin Technical College, presumably in, in law enforcement training, and then another 15 weeks at the CO Academy. That, that's up at Camp Ripley. What kind of things, you know, what kind of personality traits are you going to be looking for in, in folks that apply for this program uh, in, in the coming in coming weeks? Yeah, yeah, uh, really good question, and thanks for asking. And you know, it kind of our motto is, you know. You don't need to be an expert uh, in anything. I mean, obviously, we're looking for, uh, you know, certain personal qualities or traits, you know, things like integrity and courage and uh, the, the ability to make good decisions and have good judgment, you know, tolerate some stress. Uh, being able to work by yourself, but also, you know, as a team. And then, you know, probably one of the most important is having a passion for, you know, not only for using, but also protecting our natural resources. So those are, you know, a few of the of the really bedrock qualities we're looking for in, in people. And, and honestly, we're just looking for, you know, really good people. And again, like you pointed out, I mean, uh, the minimum is a two-year degree, but we've also, you know, seen people, of course, many people with bachelor's degrees. I mean, even folks with master's degrees and a variety variety of different uh, areas. You know, it doesn't have to be natural resources. Uh, again, this program is specifically looking for folks that maybe don't have schooling in law enforcement or natural resources. But we think we can, uh, you know, if you come to us with those core qualities we're looking for, we think we can teach you how to be a good law enforcement officer and teach you how to be a good conservation officer. 
When is the academy going to take place? I mean, if someone gets accepted this, uh, when, when, like, when would they enter this Hennepin Technical College program, and when would that academy be? Potentially, when would they be an officer of field? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, obviously with the uh, with this program specifically, you know, as you pointed out, there there there's a pretty big training component. So for the for this hiring process specifically, um, yeah, they would look to start their their training at Hennepin Tech around the first of December of this year, and then uh, they, you know, depending on how everything goes and how how everything progresses with their training, then they would start in our academy a year from uh, this May. So basically May of 2025, and then, you know, be out on their own in their own field station about, uh, you know, the December 2025. You know how many positions you're looking to fill off the top of your head? Any idea, Captain Johansson? I, I don't right now. You know, some of that kind of just depends on uh, retirements and, and, of course, some budgetary, uh, you know, potential issues that, that we can't forecast quite yet. But generally, we're looking for, to fill about six to ten positions out of this out of this SEAL prep hiring process each year. Okay, well, I, I've got to jump into a break here, but thanks for joining us. Uh, bottom line, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources Law Enforcement Division is looking for its next uh, core of of uh, state conservation officers, and maybe there's someone out there listening right now. It's like, well, I'm, I've I, you know I've got a degree in computer science or something. Doesn't mean you couldn't be a, a great conservation officer, right? Absolutely right. No, and 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 we have we've we've seen people come from a lot of different uh, you know professional uh, jobs or areas and 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 be very successful. So absolutely, um, if you have an interest at all, come check us out, please. Go to mndnr.gov and simply search Conservation Officer Careers if you want. That'll take you directly to uh, the proper web page here for more information or attend one of these uh, one of these open houses this coming week. Captain Johansson, best of luck finding uh, the next uh, the next group of conservation officers. I'm confident you're going to find some good people. I uh, really appreciate it, Rob. Thank you for the time and uh, thank thank you for the program. We're, we're, we're definitely right. a fan of the program. Keep up the good work. Well, I like to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Glad there's folks out there listening. Have a great week ahead, Captain. Thanks, Rob. Same to you. Yep. Always looking to support our uh, conservation officers here in Minnesota. Those guys and gals work very, very hard afield on behalf of natural resor- resources of this state. Again, go to mndnr.gov and simply search conservation officer careers if you want more information. Uh, let's break. We're going to come back and talk about the p- fishing that's probably very close to going on on the Rainy River. Chris Grandroot is going to join us. So don't go away. More WCCO Outdoors after these messages. Welcome back, everybody. WCCO Outdoors News Talk 830, Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. Call out to uh, folks heading back from Pheasant Fest out in Sioux Falls. Uh, Looked like a great event from what I saw on some social media posting. Drive safe out there, everybody uh, returning. A lot of wind. I bet the, the wind's howling. So uh, be be careful as you're driving back. I mentioned a red flag warning for a bunch of counties in southeast Minnesota f- uh, regarding fire conditions. And Jonathan Lowe, producer here, reminding me a big grass fire down Wasika Way. Uh, firefighters already turning out for for a blaze. Uh, so uh, yeah, be careful. No uh, no unpermitted burning. Probably no burning. Period. Uh, I can't imagine anybody's issuing permits. Uh, under the circumstances. I want to uh, move the discussion uh, up to the Rainy River and talk about fishing. Rainy River, a big rite of spring if you love to fish. And an old friend of mine who's joined us on the show, I think at least once before, Chris Granrude from Rainy Days Guide Service is with us now. Chris, are you there? appreciate you calling in. I'm here, Rob. 
Well, Chris, when we spoke, I think uh, Thursday or Friday, you were out ice fishing. Uh, what's the status now? Because things are changing quickly. Uh, still, still good fishable ice in border country up where you're at. Yeah, you know, I mean, our ice is holding up here. You know, I was on 20 inches of ice yesterday, and, you know, our ice is still pretty good here, and it looks like, you know, kind of mid-30s this next week. So we'll hold for a while. Um, uh, so hopefully hopefully get a couple more weeks out of it anyway. <laughs> now, you run an operation called Rainy Days Guide Service. RainyDaysOutdoors.com is your website. Uh, you've been a great source and a great friend over the years uh, up there, Chris. Uh, folks like to monitor, you know, as ice goes out along the river and those landings open up and, and folks can get out and fish, uh, you know, just an incredible open water experience. What's the status? Is Are any landings open yet? Uh, when do you expect uh, some of that to get going? Yeah, so the landings aren't open yet. Um, the the river itself is open quite a ways. Uh, in fact, there's some open water to kind of down even by uh, Birchdale, so it should be about halfway from the falls. Uh, to bought at there for people that are that aren't familiar, uh, but the landings are not open yet, so uh, that's going to take a little bit. And, and uh, you know what? A lot of people don't really comprehend is that a lot of times it's really flow driven. So even though we've had warmer weather, people are seeing their ice go in southern Minnesota, especially um, you know on the river when that really takes off. A lot of times that has to do with the amount of flow uh, coming down that river and really erodes that ice. And right now, um, you know, obviously we don't have a lot of snow up here, so there's not a lot of runoff, and there isn't a lot of flow in the river. So it's, it might not be quite as early as people are probably thinking it's going to be, uh, just for the fact that the river is low without a, a ton of flow at this point. So That's a common that's theme statewide. No, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, we're obviously concerned, you know, beyond fishing, obviously. We need, we need, some, we need some moisture here. So, um, you know, usually this time of year, you know, we've got a lot of snow coming out of the woods here and really starting to, you know, fill up those feeder creeks, that, which eventually kind of blows that ice out of the river systems. But, um, you know, it's, it's just not a lot right now. We got a little bit of snow here the other day again, but it's pretty uncommon for us not to have any snow in the woods or those on top of those feeder creeks at this time of year. <laughs> yeah, you know, like in southeast Minnesota, streams are running incredibly low and clear. So, I mean, it's it's great trout fishing right now. That's a catch-and-release season, and we'll probably devote some time to that uh, in coming weeks. But, yeah, the Mississippi River, uh, low flow on, on the river, what does that mean for the lock and dams, for Asian carp? There's a, there's a lot of different aspects to, to what that low water means. You know, uh, Ice fishing, it's been it's been a tough year across most of the state, but it's been a bit of a bright spot up there, right? I mean, you folks have had a good season? Yeah, you know, I mean, we got kind of a late start, but, you know, we're just far enough north that we've been able to kind of sneak by. Now, now it's not as much ice as we normally might have this time of year, but, I mean, honestly, yesterday I was out on 20 inches of pretty clear ice. I mean, now there's different pressure ridges, and the ice is like, it's just goofy. I mean, there's different pressure ridges that have formed in areas that I'm not used to seeing, though, so... I mean, anybody that still is ice fishing, obviously, and listening here, I mean, they still want to, you know, exercise extreme caution. You know, some of those pressure ridges are tough, um, so you need to kind of watch where you're going. But the, the actual sheet device that's on, on the lake is actually in pretty good shape. And then, honestly, getting into the mid-30s or even, you know, 40 degrees for two hours out of the day, it's not really doing much to that sheet. So so I think we're okay on the ice fishing end for for a little while yet. And my guess is, you know, you're going to start seeing maybe some of those landings open on the river there 
uh, kind of towards the end of March, third week of March, kind of my guess, um, and probably with a little bit of county help and actually busting those landings open. You know, the river itself probably will be open, but, of course, we need to get access to it. <laughs> We're talking with Chris Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. You know, I was just going to remind listeners, we're chatting with Chris Grandrum from Rainy Days Guide Service. A little bit about the fact that there's still some ice fishing opportunity up in, in border country. Chris has been taking advantage of that. But then that Rainy River open water season is going to get going, he thinks, probably a couple, two, three weeks out. Uh, remind folks, that is a catch-and-release season for walleyes and saugers, right, from March 1 to April 14th. Also, a catch-and-release for sturgeon through April 23rd. That doesn't keep folks away, though, does it? There's, uh, I mean, just the opportunity to catch, you know, get, get some photo fish, get some big fish, and just and catch a lot of fish keeps people coming up there, doesn't it? No, oh, you know, I mean, if, if the conditions are right, I mean, it's pretty hard to beat that opportunity for catching big fish, you know, and, and, the, and the nice thing is those fish do release real well out of that cold, you know, moving water. So uh, it's big fish time for sure. So that doesn't seem to keep people away not being able to keep one. This is the, the opportunity of getting a trophy fish probably is hard to beat, really, that opportunity. <laughs> and, Chris, you know, looking ahead, uh, great outlook for open water season. I got to I gotta think uh, there's probably less fishing pressure on the ice this year i mean we're hearing that statewide that they're just we didn't remove a whole lot of fish from the systems this year uh and and we're going to have early open water and uh we're going to have a lot of i think going to be a lot of opportunity isn't there yeah for sure there's gonna be a lot of great opportunity there looks like a lot of these lakes are obviously going to be ice free quite a bit earlier than normal um and it'll be different every year is a little bit different i think that people are going to be dealing with a little bit lower water and the fact that honestly those water temperatures are probably if everything kind of stays as is here they're going to warm up quicker than normally so people are going to want to try to fish you know again fish water temperature versus calendar uh because it's going to probably fish quite a bit different my guess would be and when that uh, season gets going on the rainy folks can they use live bait do they still use the uh the 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 the, the shiners the rainbow shiners up there I, I forget there's some specific species of shiner that that every that they work really hard on uh, on lake of the woods and rainy river right Yep, yep, yep. So the emerald shiners. Um, emerald shiners. Um, I can never remember that. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So on the U.S. side, um, you know, you could use uh, you could use the live bait there, and on the Canadian side, it'll be pretty much artificials there. So and, and then just uh, keep in mind, you know, guys that are coming up there. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you want to know which side of the, of the border you're on and fishing. You know, based on different regulations as far as what you can have in your boat and what you should have in your boat. Uh, so definitely keep in mind that as well. So I, you know, I've always just kind of just stayed straight artificials, um, and then you know, if, you know, and obviously have the proper licensing. But then I don't have to worry about if I want to jump, you know, to the the Canadian side during the day or the U.S. side during the day. And and that time of year, honestly, the, the artificial bike is just incredible. Well, and like we said, we don't want to jump the gun. We got temperatures getting closer to normal here this coming week. Might keep the ice up there a little longer than folks might expect, especially when, like you say, the the low flow uh, aspect of things might uh, help preserve some ice too. So check it out. Get out there, uh, whatever you're doing, whether it's uh, trying to sample some hard water fishing or waiting waiting for open water. You got opportunities. Uh, your your website rainydaysoutdoors.com. Uh, Chris, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Good good luck here as uh, as the ice season winds down and you get going with. Uh, with the boats and motors all right thanks rob thanks for having me you bet have a great week ahead take care bud all right you too
Chris Granroot. Appreciate him joining us here for a few minutes on WCCO Outdoors. I am going to think get him a break here. We're going to talk about another DNR release that came out this past week. Normally, I don't like to have two DNR interviews in the same week. I just it just seems like a bit much, a little too, a little too much government emphasis right on the show. But I, I had planned this interview with Mandy Erickson from DNR. We're going to talk about the the agency's new record fish program. They put a lot of work into this, and I think they're pulling it off. Uh, and then we also had Captain Jeff Johansson from the uh, DNR Enforcement Division. Both great people and, uh, and a fun interview coming up here with Mandy Erickson on Record Fish. So please stick around. More of the broadcast after these messages. Welcome back, everybody. WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. Rob Jerisline with you here on this Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. Sports show season really gets rolling here in coming weeks. We've got the Deer and Turkey Classic kicking off this Friday, March 8th. And then the Northwest Sports Show the next week. I believe that begins on Thursday, March 14th. I'll be at both of those events. Looking forward to meeting readers of Outdoor News and listeners of WCCO Outdoors face-to-face. Hey, the uh, Minnesota DNR issued a press release last week, late last week, uh, regarding its record fish program. And we've talked about this a little bit on the program, that the uh, agency was kind of e- was evaluating uh, its record fish program and how to go forward with that. And it sounds like those are now effective. Those went into place uh, this past Friday, March 1st. Here to talk about that a little bit is Mandy Erickson, a DNR Fisheries Program Consultant. Uh, Mandy, thanks a lot for joining the program and uh, some big changes here. Yes, thanks for the invite, Rob. Excited to uh, talk with you. And there are some definite big changes. Hopefully, a lot of anglers will be interested in pursuing some state record fish opportunities. We've got some catch and release opportunity updates and some updates to the certified weight program as well. Hey, I'm one of these guys. I'm becoming an old, crusty guy who generally is resistant to change. But I like what you're doing here. I've been, you know, I've thought about this as the process has unfolded the past, man, it's been going. You said there's been a DNR team working on this for, I got to think it's better part of a year, isn't it? A couple of years, yeah. And there's yeah. been a lot of chatter leading up to that. So, but, but the team has been working on it for a good portion of time. Well, there's a number of aspects to this. Why don't we we talk first so that we've had this catch and release record program, I don't know, 10, 15 years. It's been around for a while now. I remember, mm-hmm. I think it was implemented under the Miriam administration, if, if memory serves. So that's actually going back. It's probably, I'm showing my age, probably at least 15 years ago. We we had, what, four species in the catch and release record program. They were the big rock and roll fish, right? Was it muskies, pike, walleye, and was it lake sturgeon? Oh, you got three out of four. Muskies, northern pike, lake sturgeon, and flathead catfish. Okay, catfish. So those were the four. We're going to expand that uh, substantially, it sounds like. Right. We're going to be adding 18 new uh, species that are eligible for catch and release. So if you want a quick rundown of the species, I can give you that. We've got blue sucker, big mouth buffalo, bowfin, brook trout, brown trout, channel cats, freshwater drum, lake trout, Largemouth bass, long-nosed gar, rainbow trout, sauger, short-nosed gar, shovel-nosed sturgeon, smallmouth bass, smallmouth buffalo, tiger muskies, and walleyes. So that's the that's the quick rundown of the list, and that's that's a lot to take in all at one time. But the list is included on the DNR website. There's been a lot of changes made to the to the website portion that lists all the state record fish. So you can log into the DNR website and check to see if your favorite species is on there. 
Why do we need a catch and release record category? What was the thinking behind that? Why expand it? And uh, do you see a lot of public engagement in that category? There, there is a lot of public engagement. And I think, you know, times have changed so much over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And there is a definite mindset change in the way some of the anglers perceive catching and harvesting large fish. Uh, there's also been a big change in regulation. So sometimes anglers aren't even able to harvest a large fish due to special regulations. But but a lot of interest, you know, in releasing some of those large fish and not wanting to, to harvest them, but still wanting to be able to be recognized for catching a pretty awesome fish. So that the primary driver behind this expansion of the catch and release program. Can you kind of walk us through the process of registering a fish as a, in that catch and release category? Sure, Can you absolutely. kind of tell us how that works? Absolutely. So there are application forms, again, available on the DNR website. So you will want to make sure that you check out that DNR website. There are application forms along with instructions. If you're angling and you catch a, a fish, you kind of need to make a decision right away whether you're going to harvest that fish or whether you're going to go for a, a catch and release record. If you want to go after that catch and release record, the, a couple things that you'll absolutely need are great photos of that fish and a very accurate measurement and a witness that can verify that you actually caught that species. So photos are going to be really important to see, you know, especially distinguishing characteristics of those fish. Accurate measurement is going to be extremely important when you're measuring a fish and submitting photos. We want to make sure that that measuring device can be seen the entire way. We don't want to see any folds in, in measuring tape or anything like that, but accurate measuring um, display the entire way with the fish on top of the measuring device with its tail squeezed. And there's, there's pictures on the website too about how to accurately measure a fish, but the photos and the accurate measurement are going to be the most important thing. And then again, you'll need a witness to verify that, that you actually caught that and then those, uh, that form and the pictures can be sent in to the DNR. Um, you can email me photos if you're not able to send them through the mail. I'll be reviewing all those record submissions, uh, verifying species, verifying length, calling back if there's any questions about the submission. And assuming it all looks great, record submissions that uh, surpass the previous record will receive a plaque. We'll receive a, a great letter from DNR. And um, as you know, you've seen too, when these records are broken, there's often a lot of interest in press and, and coverage. Um, so there'll be some news releases and updates to the website when these records are broken. So a couple of data points here. One, you mentioned your email. That's mandy.erickson, S-O-N, at state.mn.us. Folks can contact you directly, you said. Yes, uh, they sure can. The website's actually very easy. It's just mndnr.gov backslash record fish. If folks want to get all this information, I'm guessing they can get to you probably through that webpage also. Yep, for sure. You're listening to WCCO Outdoors. Rob Jerisline here. We are chatting with Mandy Erickson from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Uh, she is a fisheries program consultant with the agency. And we're talking a little bit about the new record fish program, which went into effect this past Friday, March 1st. So we talked a lot about the catch and release records. Let's talk about the good old-fashioned certified weight record. Can you kind of explain what's the difference between that now and the catch and release record? What is a certified record? So the certified weight record is the typical one that I think a lot of people are used to, where the, the fish is harvested, the fish is weighed, 
a lot of us have been in established around around the state where you can see the the big mount up on the wall and the framed story that goes below it and that's going to be that the harvested fish so the certified weight part comes in um, and this was a change in the early 80s when weights of harvested fish that are going to be submitted for a record need to actually be verified if I have a scale in my tackle box, it might read five pounds, but it also might be coated in rust and, and been around forever. So we want to make sure that, that the weights are actually accurate. So scales that are certified are located in most bait shops around the state, and then butcher shops as well have to have certified weight or certified scales. So if you harvest a fish, you need to be able to bring that fish in to either a bait shop or a butcher shop and make sure that that fish is weighed on that certified scale. And when that weight is done, the owner of the shop will provide a, a written measurement that's got the scale and information as well, the brand of scale, the date it was certified, and then the actual weight. Okay, Mandy, it looks like, what, are you adding 11 species back to the certified weight records? Is that that's what's happening? How many species are totally eligible for, for certified weight? Okay, yep. So these new changes are can be a little bit confusing. What is happening is 11 species had weight records that were established prior to 1980. Mm -hmm. Those 11 species are going to be pulled off into a separate category, if you will, and recognized as weight records that are not certified. So we're I still see. going to recognize those people, recognize the great catches that they had. You know, their stories are still incredibly valuable. But knowing that the records submitted with those uh, fish were not weighed on certified scales, we have no way of actually verifying that that they were great. Not saying that we don't believe you, but the criteria just doesn't fit with our current program. So we're still going to recognize those records, but they're going to be record as, recognized as non-certified weight. 11 and that, total. You said that's 11. 11 species, correct. Okay. So, and I'll read yeah. them real quick. You got what? Yeah. Black crappie, bluegill, brown bullhead, channel cat, common carp, flathead cat, lake trout, northern pike, smallmouth bass, walleye, and yellow perch. Does that mean that those it's open season. Hey, there's some <laughs> record fish. Anglers can go out and try to fill these records this year. Absolutely. That's pretty With exciting. That, it is pretty exciting. With that, though, DNR did establish some minimum weights okay. and minimum lengths. So right. uh, your fish might be great if you catch a big one, but we've got to make sure that that we're not buried in a lot of uh, submissions. <laughs> so again, on the DNR website, there's a couple tables, one that lists uh, minimum weight and one that lists minimum length. You don't want someone submitting a, a, a 15 inch walleye and, and uh, for two weeks or two weeks, two days holding the, uh, the new walleye record, huh? Right. Personally, what? I'd love to hear their stories and see their pictures because <laughs> that's great fun, but but workload-wise, yeah, that let's make sure they <laughs> meet the minimums. And on the Record Fish website, do you have those minimums listed? They are. Yep, they're okay. listed on there. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of changes went up on the website. Okay, so go to, again, mndnr.gov backslash recordfish. I'm just curious, you know, off the top yeah. of your head, what a couple of those are for some key species like walleye and, like, largemouth bass? Uh, minimum weight for walleye is going to be 14 pounds. Okay. Lake trout, 13 pounds. Uh -huh. Northern pike, 32 pounds. Okay. Um, minimum length for brown trout will be 24 inches. Um, bowfin, 31 inches. 
And I was talking with a, a coworker the other day and said, wow, those are big fish. And I said, yeah, that's kind of the point. They're not small minimums. You might go a year or two before you get some entries at a couple of those sizes you mentioned. Um, right. So. And each year there's, there's about five submissions each year um, over the past few years for for combined uh, catch and release submissions and certified weight submissions. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of, of work every year, but I think this year is going to be extremely busy and I'm really excited to, to hear all the stories, see all the fish and and talking with some angling groups. I know there's a there's a rather large contingent uh, that likes to target yellow bass and uh, the the minimum weight for that record submission is one pound. So I know there's a few people kind of yeah. going for that record right away. And sure. and I actually heard from a few anglers that love to target both in yesterday and and that they've got a friendly competition among their group of mm-hmm. who's going to be the first to submit. So, so it does, you know, this program does draw some interest and uh, help encourage people to fish for, for sometimes some of those lesser known species and, and diversify the, the hobby that we all love. Well, this is going to be fun. It's going to keep you busy. I suspect there's probably going to be a lot of DNR press releases with new record fish over the next several years, yeah. uh, but that's fun. It'll, it'll inspire people to get out and, and wet a line and enjoy Minnesota's great resources. Mandy, I'm out of time, but uh, great information. Uh, again, if folks want uh, complete information, they can go to mndnr.gov backslash record fish. Uh, Outdoor News, we're going to have a lot of content on this also, but good luck. Thanks for all your hard work on this program. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for all your effort. I appreciate it. All right. Mandy Erickson from the Minnesota DNR with the Record Fish Program. Pretty cool. Let's get into break. More of the broadcast after these messages. Final segment, everybody, of this week's broadcast of WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. Rob Dreesline with you for a final few minutes. A couple news items I wanted to mention uh, before I go. Uh, one you know, actually, regarding the last segment, I don't know if I hope folks were paying attention to that, but something dawned on me as I was uh, after the segment. The uh, the DNR, they've got this new record fish program, and one of the categories now is non-certified weight, and it's it's basically a bunch of fish that were records that were set before 1980 when apparently they weren't insisting on the fish being weighed on certified scales. Uh, and what, what did she say? There was about 11 of them. One of those folks was the walleye. The walleye record the, was caught in 1979, the famous Leroy Shiavet fish. That was That is going to be in the non-certified weight category now, uh, which means, uh, like she, I believe she said, uh, if you catch a 14-pound-plus walleye, you're going to set the new certified weight record. Uh, that's... I mean, that's a pretty hallowed record <laughs> that Leroy Shiavet fish caught on, um, I believe it was caught in 1979, May of 79, fishing opener of 79, 17 pounds, 8 ounces. I just looked that up again. Uh, Mr. Shiavet passed away in 2019. He was from Hermantown. He was, I, I talked, I interviewed him a time or two. He was a living legend. Well, of course, when he was with us with uh, with that fish, uh, he, he owned that record for a lot of years. And to now have that record be, quote, unquote, non-certified, I, I got to think that's going to get some people's attention. That's going to be, uh, you might even say, mildly controversial. Uh, I'm going to write up a little story uh, on that, I think, uh, this week for Outdoor News. That fish caught on the Seagull River. It's The mounted fish is it's up at the uh, what Chickwalk Museum and Nature Center up at the on the end of the Gunflint Trail, I believe. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll dive into that more uh, later uh, this spring. Also, uh, the passing of a Stella Berger 
Leopold, the final uh, offspring of, of Aldo Leopold. Uh, she was 97 years old. She passed away last week. She was one of the founders of the Aldo Leopold Foundation. We had a gentleman from that organization call into this broadcast a few weeks ago and talk about the, their Leopold Week uh, event that's going on as we speak down in Baraboo, Wisconsin. It's the 75th anniversary of uh, a Sand County Almanac. And I, I must admit, I was shocked to know that uh, that one of Aldo Leopold's children was still alive uh, in 2024, 97 years old. She was a uh, revered conservationist and scientist in her own right. All, of the, all of the, There were five Leopold children. They were all just brilliant. Uh, and one of my regrets in this life is never having met any of them. Nina Leopold Bradley, I believe, helped uh, operate this, the Leopold Foundation down there for a few years before she did. She, she passed about 10 years ago. But rest in peace, uh, Estella Leopold. Uh, with that, I'm out of time. I appreciate uh, folks uh, listening to the broadcast. We had some great guests. I hope everybody has themselves a great week out of doors. I'm Rob Dreesline signing off for WCCO Outdoors.